Here's another inspiring message from Northside Community Church, Sydney. Wow, what a way to start a Sunday. Um, Youth going up, new elders, all sorts of things happening. It's great to have you in church with us this morning. We start a new series called Four Calls That Changed the World. What I want us to grab out of this series is the words that we heard from Ronnie this morning in the Bible reading. Uh, The words that you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea and to the ends of the earth, they are words that change the course of history. You realise that this morning? I got a fresh realisation of that uh, when I was sitting on the southern steps of the temple in Jerusalem. Take a look at this photo. It's a pretty standard photo from the iPhone as you do. There's nothing overly attractive about it, but it's a special photo for me. Because there, there I was standing listening to that guy Dan Spader down the front share of the way that the church was born here on these first century steps that we were sitting on. That's where Peter preached. 3,000 people were added to the church's number in one day. That, that is the place of the birth of the church as we know it. What is even more special about that photo is in the background on the left-hand side there in that ridgeline, that is the tip of a ridgeline called the Mount of Olives. And that is the geographical location somewhere from there to about one kilometre back here. Somewhere in that space was the space in which Jesus said the words that we just heard. The photo is special as well because the people sitting in front of me, I was one of 198 people from 56 different countries from around the world listening to a man who 20 years ago got a bunch of youth together and thought, why don't we just try and learn how to do this discipleship stuff and learn to live how Jesus lived and see what happens. And 20 years later, he takes a group of 198 movement leaders on a trip to Jerusalem to sit on the steps of the southern temple where the church was born and we were listening to him talk there and just about every person in front of me there was a disciple of anywhere from 10 to 50 or in some cases 5,000 people in their own right. From that mountain, Jesus says, you'll be my witnesses from Jerusalem to Judea to the end of the from Burundi to India to South Africa to Australia. They were words that changed the world. And so as we start to finish up 2016, the year's gone quickly, hasn't it? Whoa, where's it gone? Um, we, uh, we're already beginning to look up into 2016. As we finish up 2015, we're beginning to look into 2016. And as I was on that trip and as I've been thinking through Uh, And I'm listening to these guys talk and teach. And as a a leader of this church, I've been thinking and praying and discerning, Lord, what is the next steps for Northside and what could our programs look like and what could our ministries look like and what is our vision going to look like in 2016? And as I was sitting there looking at the Mount of Olives and listening to this guy talk about the way that Jesus built a movement that changed the world and talked about Jesus' strategies, this question came to mind. And it's the question that I want to throw to us as a church, and that is this. What if Jesus' strategy for changing the world became our strategy? (laughs) There was uh, Mike Frost. He's a preacher down in Manly. We know him well in Australia. I remember hearing him at a conference uh, talking about the way that he was on Smoky Mountain in Manila and a guy who had started a church there that was ministering to about 5,000 people 
He was fascinated with the way that this church had just grown and exploded. And so naturally, as a Western pastor, he said to this Filipino guy, so what books have you been reading? And the guy said to him, well, I've been reading Matthew and Mark and Luke and John. That's about it. What if Jesus' strategy for changing the world Northside became our strategy in 2016? So as, as I've gone through this, and as I've started to research this and go through the Gospels and listen, listen to these guys as they talk through, I realised that there was a strategy that Jesus had. There was a strategy that Jesus employed that changed the world. And it's a strategy that we can learn quite clearly now, in order to do that, we've got to get through uh, two initial barriers before we start this morning. Two different barriers. One of the things that stops us from embracing the strategy that Jesus used to change the world, the first one is this. We think that Jesus just played the God card, right? Like if we say to you, well, look, what, what if we just lived how Jesus lived and we could change the city of Sydney? Uh, don't most people think, well, oh, but he was God. He was God, so of course he could do that. He was, he was God. But the first core conviction about the strategy of Jesus is that the resources available to Jesus is the same resources available to you and I. This thing called the Word of God and the Holy Spirit. And so Jesus is not only fully God, but fully man when you get into the theology, lived his life as a human being in a time and a place, in a city called Jerusalem, in a town called Nazareth, in a little backwater area of the world called Israel. And from there, his little movement of people exploded and changed history to the point where the Washington Post says today, there now are approximately 2.1 billion Christians, followers of Jesus around the world. How the heck did he do that? Well, here's, here's the second barrier that we've got, got to overcome, and it's this. The second barrier is this, is that we underestimate what God wants to do through us. Uh, one of the guys sitting on those steps, I may have shared the story that we sat down and were sitting at breakfast, and I said to him, what's your ministry like? And he says, uh, I, oversee, I oversee 500, and naturally as a pastor, I'm thinking 500 people, you're like my church. Until he says, I oversee 500 churches. <laughs> We underestimate what God wants to do through us. How did he do it? What if Jesus' strategy was our strategy? You want to get a sense of Jesus' strategy? The best way to represent Jesus' strategy, and this is what I float with us as we move into 2016, is really a series of four chairs or four calls that change the world. You see, the first chair that Jesus has is, and the first call that he has is the call to come and See, we see it here. He's, there's John the Baptist. He says, look, in John chapter 1, verse, verse 35, he sees Jesus passing by. Look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard them, Jesus turns around and says, what do you want? That's a great way to recruit new believers, isn't it? <laughs> what do you want? Um, they said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying Verse 39, come, he replied, and you will see. You see, the people that sit in the first chair are simply spiritual seekers. Andrew and John were spiritual seekers. And just come and see, the Greek word there for come meant simply just show up. Just show up, just hang out with me. Just show up, come and see what I'm about. I'm not calling you into a, a, a lifetime of, of adventure or craziness. Just, yet. just come and see who I am. It says here that... That they stayed with him from the 10th hour, which was 4 p.m. 
uh, until the end of the day, which was sunset. So it meant that he spent two to three to four hours just sitting with these guys. What did he say? What did they talk about? What got them so interested about this guy? It meant Andrew and John were spiritual seekers. And so what the first chair represents is that the first way that you move into the strategy of Jesus and the Christian life is you just come and see. That might be really applicable for some of you this morning. Maybe a friend invited you along. Maybe you turned up, you looked at the website. Jesus says, just come and see. My question for you is, if you're that sort of person, what could it mean for you if you realise that the Christian life is not calling you into a lifetime of obligation to religiosity, but simply to observe who Jesus is? To come and see. Now, for us Christians, it's not just if we're not sitting in this chair, we know lots of people who are sitting in this chair, right? Friends and family members and co-workers. Let me get a little bit real with you. Let's just pull back the curtain a bit. Isn't that everything that we've been talking about with fireflies all year? See, everything we've been doing as a church is just learning how to minister to the first chair. To be fireflies, to through the beauty and the wonder of our lives, to minister to people and say, just come and see. Has anyone had any stories like that? Yes. Now, I've, I've already met a few Northsiders who have had friends come along. I've had friends of the friends bring friends along to Northside because they want to come and see. So it, the, the come and see, the first chair is just, the first strategy is just come look, see who I am. Now, I said there are four calls that change the world. So, so there is a progression here in the way that these chairs work. Because Jesus is always calling people to a new level and a higher level of engaging with him. And the second call that he makes and the second chair that we have is simply the call to come follow me. This is a shift in Jesus' ministry now. People have been hanging out, observing with him. And now he says, you've been seeing, you've been hanging out with me. Now come follow me. We see that in the verses a little bit later on in John chapter of John chapter 1 verse 49 and around that area as well they said come and see and then Jesus is talking with them all there he's hung out with them for a little bit talks to, to Philip and then he says come follow me so there's this shift to not just come and see but to come and follow the person that sits in the second chair now is technically a believer they're the person who has made a commitment to follow Jesus Christ we know how awkward this feeling is right this is the feeling of moving from this chair to that chair is, is like, you know when you're at a dance and you're a 14-year-old and you're watching everyone else dance on the dance floor? Someone comes up to you and says, come have a dance. And no, 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 I don't want to do it. It's the same spiritual nervousness that you have when you move from this chair to that chair because ultimately it's a decision to come and follow him. Now what Jesus really means by that is it's a call to reorient everything in your life around following and learning to live like him. Dallas Willard says that the person who is following Jesus now asks themselves constantly the question, how would Jesus live my life if he were I? Reorient every, I love the way that Michael said in the worship song that when it comes to a point of crisis, what's the point in having my career or my marriage or my wealth or my comfort sitting on the throne? I, I need God on the throne. And this is the great wrestle for the Christian, isn't it? To constantly be wrestling that following of Jesus Christ as the one priority in all of our lives. You see, when Jesus calls people to come and follow him, what he's really saying is, I don't want believers, I want disciples. 
I want people who are going to walk like me, look like me, talk like me, do what I did. And so the call to come and follow Jesus is to reorient all of our lives around, around him. Now, when you see the way that he reacts with people that are just following in him, you'll see that Jesus is constantly in the Bible trying to get people to stop just hanging around him. You see the way he's always talking about the cost of being a disciple and the cost of following him. You know, he says, if anyone's going to be my disciple, they must pick up their cross and follow me. You see, here's the, here's the thing. This is why this is a, a call that changed the world. People always want to hang around Jesus. People always want to observe Jesus. People are interested in Jesus. And that's a normal and a natural thing. But Jesus says, I'm not looking for fans. I'm looking for followers. I'm not looking for observers. I'm looking for doers of my ministry. And so there does come a point in someone's life, and it may be his call to you this morning, is that call to move from just observing and hanging around him to following him. That's the second chair. The third one that we have here is that Jesus says not only come and see, come and follow, but the third chair in Jesus' strategy that changed the world is the call to say, come, follow me, but... I will make you fishers of people. Remember that call in Matthew chapter 4, 18, where Jesus is walking by the Sea of Galilee and there he sees the boys and he says, come, I'll make you fishers of men. Now that is one of the most misunderstood and least obeyed commandments of Jesus in the entire Bible, right? If we're real about it, church, 80% of Christians still only ever make it to chair two. Very rarely does a Christian move into the point where they are sitting in chair three. The call to come be fishers of people. It says Jesus sees the guys, Simon and Andrew, they're casting their nets into the lake. They were fishermen and Jesus says, come follow me and I'll make you fishers of people. Verse 20, and at once they left their nets and followed him. Hey, would it come to a surprise for you too when we read this, that this was 18 months into the ministry of Jesus? I don't know about you, every time I read that verse, I, I, thought Jesus just, I, I just thought Jesus turned up on the shoreline and said, come follow me, and they just left their nets and followed him. And so for years I've lived as a follower of Jesus Christ thinking, I'm a bad Christian. I'm not one of those Christians that's left everything. I've heard the call of Jesus and, and I haven't left it all behind and I should just dump everything that I'm doing. No, these guys had been through all of these stages of Jesus' calls that changed the world. And what he was doing now is taking those that were learning to live like him and taking them into a new level. This is a chair of transition. In other words, the people that sit in the third chair are the people that Jesus is calling into leading his ministry for the kingdom. Where he says, come learn from me now. I'm going to take you on these various fishing trips out the countryside and show you how I do ministry. And so we see a whole range of different transitions in his ministry in chair three. And we'll get through this over the coming weeks. But there's a change of leadership now from John the Baptist to Jesus in these followers. There's a change in location. He goes down from Nazareth down to Capernaum by the Sea of Galilee. There's a change in message giver. It's no longer John the Baptist that's preaching, but Jesus. But here's the biggest change of all. It's a change of calling. And so Jesus says to his followers, now you're not just going to learn from me and hang out with me and learn to be like me and be in my class. You're going to do it yourself. You know, what's Jesus doing in chair three? He's taking off the training wheels. You're going to ride for yourself. I expect you to ride for yourself. And that's when he takes him into these 
adventures like the encounter with the Samaritan woman that we've heard at the beginning of the year. And so the call to come and be fishers of people is the call to fish for people in the context where for the first time in your Christian walk, you can feel and see how God is using you. Where you dare to fail at your ministry. Where you move to an, another level where uh, it, it can only take the strength of God in order for you to do what he is calling you to do. Where you're willing to invest the time and the skills to learn and to do ministry like Jesus, that's the third chair. Follow me, I'll make you fishers of people. So there's come and see, come and follow. Follow me and I'll make you fishers of people. And then, of course, there's the, the final chair that Jesus sets out in his strategy. It's a chair that not many get to at all. Are you getting the sense of the stakes that are being raised as you get towards the various levels of the four chairs? The final chair, the, this final chair here is, is one that is, is quite remarkable. And by the time that his followers got to this point, this is the chair that changed the world. There was an upper room in Jerusalem, not far from where we took that photo on the steps. And Jesus sat with his disciples. And he says, I'm, I'm about to go to the Father. I'm not going to be around here anymore. And uh, we're going to have a change of our relationship now. I've always once called you servants, but now I call you friends. And not only that, Jesus says, talks about the vine and the branches. Again, we'll explore this in a couple of weeks. But his next call to his disciples is no longer just to come and see, no longer just to follow, no longer just to learn how to do ministry. But now he says, go and bear fruit. Go and, go and be mini-me, go and be mini-Jesus, if we can pluralise that. <laughs> go and bear fruit. And that's what begins to happen. Men of Galilee, why are you staring at the sky, says the angel. And now we connect with where we sit today. Something had to happen in this chair for those men to capture all that he had taught him. Those men and then ultimately those women too of the disciples in the, that had been following Jesus as well to go out from Jerusalem, Judea and to the ends of the earth. And here we are in hum, humble crow's nest because... Someone somewhere around the world got the strategy of Jesus, go and bear fruit. There's even fewer of these people in the Christian faith. There are very few of us at Northside. I wonder if even I as your pastor sit in this chair just yet as I'm growing to live and to learn from Jesus how to work his strategy out. We've had a couple over the years. I think of people like Craig Gibbon who sent off to India I think of people like Chris Bailey, who's starting a movement of disciples around the world through Campus Crusade, who's making films to spread the gospel. There's a few of them that we've had. And we must remember, church, that if we do our strategy well, then we probably won't see these people in this auditorium. Because it's not about us. It's not about us if we're going to change the city of Sydney. And it's not about us as a church if we're going to change the world. Dallas Willard says, look. If, if, you, if, if you aim at getting a healthy church, then you may, but probably won't get discipleship. But if you aim at discipleship, then you're always going to get a healthy church. And we have to understand that as people go to bear fruit, that they will no longer be with us. That we'll be constantly kissing good friends goodbye in this place. That we'll constantly be sending people out as they go to do the work of Jesus as he would. The question 
I guess that I have for you this morning as we set the tone for the next four weeks, as we begin to learn the strategy of how Jesus started a movement that changed the world. My question simply for you this morning is, which chair do you sit in? Because the degree to which chair that you know that you sit in is the degree to which you know what Jesus is calling you to do. Christianity is not so much a belief or a religion. Christianity is a call. Jesus is always calling us to move to another level. And so if you're here just observing and checking Jesus out, maybe it's the call just to stay a little bit longer and see what he's all about here. (laughs) Maybe you're already sitting in the first chair and Jesus' call to you this morning is to stop hanging around and to get on the dance floor. (laughs) Maybe that's his call to you this morning to come and to follow him. Maybe the call for some of us that are following him this morning is that call from not just following him, but to totally uh, reorient our life around him, to engage in this process where it says, I'm not a Christian unless I'm first a disciple. That I am choosing not to be just a believer in Jesus, but a follower of Jesus. To reorient everything that I have in life. Maybe for some of you this morning, you've sat in chair two and his call is going to be for you to go to chair three. And some of you well know, some of you in this church, some of who are already sitting in chair two have received a letter this week, which begins the first significant step in that call to move from being a chair two to a chair three follower of Jesus Christ. The call will start to go out to invite people in this church to move, to learn and to dare to fail and, and to move to a level of ministry where only it can be done if God shows up. And maybe for some here, it's the call to go and bear fruit. But which chair do you sit in? And because the the core question has been, as we look back, and I keep thinking about that photo, as I keep getting all the updates on social media, and I see photos of the friends that I've met uh, training more disciples in back rooms of India and in places like Burundi. I didn't even know Burundi existed (sighs) before I went away like that, but... But this strategy continues to remain true. You'll be witnesses from Jerusalem to Judea to the ends of the earth. Church, the question for us is, as we head into 2016, do we we truly believe that it's possible that through us, God can change the city of Sydney? And when we start to ask ourselves the question, how the heck do we do that? Well, then it's pretty simple. Come and see. Come and follow. Come learn how to fish. Go bear fruit. Let's pray. Well, thanks for tuning in. If you'd like to find out more about Northside, visit northsidechurch.org.au.